Let's look at the games from Sunday in the NBA. Nine games on, blowouts, lineup changes, switcheroos at the last minute, injuries. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and women have crystals in their body and the crystals attract demons and the demons attracts misfortune. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball on TikTok at redrock underscore bball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Give it a double bang. Listen on the audio side, watch the video side, thumb it up, leave your comments, ring the bell, all of that great stuff. We're here to recap the action from Sunday, the end of week 11 in the NBA. There were nine games on pretty busy Sunday. First of all, did you win your week? If you did, drop a W down in the uh, down in the comments. And if you didn't, just drop an L as well, whatever. Just do something. Drop it down in the comments below. Let's get some news going. We knew that Chris Paul was going to be out with a broken hand. We knew he was having surgery and a broken hand. This is the most obvious thing that happens in the NBA. Broken hand, four weeks minimum. Every time. Every time, four weeks. It's just what happens. So he's having surgery and he's out four to six weeks. Push that towards the six, I would say, with a surgery involved in it. We'll talk more about the Warriors and whatever the hell is going on over there at the moment. And there's still going to be excess changes because of Draymond's return maybe at the end of this week. Um, but we'll talk more about that later on. In some news that is rather important for tomorrow, Damian Lillard is out for personal reasons. Now, obviously, Lillard has shot really poorly over the last week, and I could be putting two and two together here and coming up with 69, or I could be putting two and two together and coming up with four. Maybe he's just not been focused because of something happening in his life. We know that he suffered. We didn't suffer. We might have suffered. He, he went through a divorce at the start of the season. So I don't know if there's anything going on there with him and his kids and his family. We hope everything's okay. But sometimes the off-court distractions can lead to some of these poor shooting slumps, which has happened with Lillard. So you'd immediately think, well, we go and add campaign. But no, he's in the concussion protocol. So they've got no Lillard, no pain. And at the moment, Linda Wigington and Taito Washington, two ripping names, by the way, are in the G League. Now, they could easily get called up, but they're not going to start, are they? What could they do? They could start Andre Jackson at point guard, who... Played point guard in college, but he's more of a defensive guy. He could play there. They could start Marjan Beauchamp um, and have him do marginal bits of ball handling and just let Giannis and Middleton do most of it. They could start uh, AJ Green, I guess. He's not really a point guard either. There's, yeah, look, there's not, there's not much. We talked in the preseason how they just didn't have much in terms of point guard and point guard depth, and the two guys they have now are both out. So we'll see. We'll see whether it is Washington or it is Jackson. I don't think I'm going to be overly excited about streaming anyone. If Washington does get called up and they announce him as a starter, he'd probably be the only one. I wouldn't look to Jackson or necessarily Green or Wigington or any of those guys to, to add in there. Eason's out again. It's becoming an ongoing thing here for Tari with this leg injury management after the, the leg fracture, uh, stress fracture earlier in the season. We are getting to a situation where I think you can consider him a drop. You don't have to do it. But the fact that he's not a starter, the fact that he's a bench player who has sometimes limited part to minutes, sometimes more, but it does require a starter getting benched for him to get there. 
makes it hard to hold through all this stuff, so just keep an eye on that. General Soreness is out once again after his agent came out and lied and said there was no long-term concern, so we'll see how long that Last four, um, yeah, but obviously really troubling in terms of what the hell is going on with Butler and his foot. And speaking of the Miami Heat and injury reporting, they are, they're doing the Charlotte Hornets thing. Now, the Hornets, was it because I publicly shame them every day for about two weeks? Maybe, probably not. But they've stopped listing Mark Williams as doubtful. But the Heat have picked up the slack, don't worry. Caleb Martin sprained his ankle on Christmas Day, and he's been listed doubtful every game since. He's doubtful again for the game on Monday. And maybe they proved me wrong and he ends up playing, I don't know. But they're doing it, and it's frustrating. The Lakers, and another um, club that continually does this nonsense with LeBron and AD on the injury report every single game. It is a bit of a mockery of the injury report. It's also one of those ones where they can sit there and go, well, actually, we're just being really honest with our injury reporting, and we're just making sure we tell you every time something's wrong. Cool. But when like LeBron plays through 95% of his questionable tags, and Anthony Davis plays 100% of his probable tags, and you know, how is Caleb Martin doubtful for you know a week, five games in a row? It's clearly not true. It's clearly bullshit. And I don't really know how we judge this or what we do with it. It is frustrating. It is really frustrating. And until there's suspension, not suspensions, until there's um, repercussions, uh, I guess it'll continue. I'm guessing that the Hornets, they didn't listen to me, but I'm guessing they got a nudge from the NBA going, bro, what? You, you can't be listening to this bloke doubtful every day for five weeks. Do something better. I, the, it was probably four weeks too late, but I do think they had to have gotten some sort of a nudge from the, the NBA about whatever the hell it was that was going on with their um with their injury reporting nonsense. We've already looked at the waiver wire trends earlier on in the waiver wire show today, so we're not going to get into that. What we are going to get into is the first game of the day, though. It was the San Antonio Spurs and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Spurs kept it close. The Cavs win 117-115. Wembenyama still in the minutes restriction. It continues to be very, very annoying. Hopefully it doesn't last too much longer, but who knows? 25 minutes, 24 and 9, two threes, one steal, five blocks, 10 of 11 from the line, 46 from the field. This man is going to break fantasy. He's going to be a first-round pick, maybe top six next season. He is the absolute number one dynasty player. You do not give Victor Wembanyama up for anything in dynasty. He is more valuable than Luka Doncic, yes. He is more valuable than Shea Gildas-Alexander. He is more valuable than Tyrese Halliburton. He is more valuable than Nikola Jokic. He is the number one player in dynasty, Fantasy basketball without any questions whatsoever. You can question it. Question it down below. Drop it in the comments. Tell me. You're wrong if you do it, but do it anyway. He's the number one player for Dynasty. This shit's ridiculous. 24 minutes. Bruh. He's the 10th ranked player over the last two weeks in 25 minutes a game. 10th. 19 years old. 25 minutes. 10th. Yeah, all right. Trey Jones, 34 minutes, 18, 2, and 5 with two steals. He did shoot 88%, and this is a man who's like a 10% three-point shooter, so don't get too carried away, but do get carried away about the 34 minutes. And this team is likely to switch things up at any point. But told you there was a little stirring down in the old nether regions when I was thinking about Trey about two, three weeks ago, just thinking about what was going to happen with his role and would he get a chance to start. He did. It's here. At him. No, don't hesitate. Absolute must-roster player. Got to grab him. If he gets benched later on, so be it. Malachi Brandon returned. He had two points in 15 minutes. Obviously, you're not rostering him, while Julian Champagne played uh, 16 minutes for two points. Vassell continues to play really well without Keldon Johnson around. And it's not necessarily a bigger usage thing. There's a little bit of that, but it's small. It's more that he's just... The, the offensive hierarchy makes more sense. You don't have the situation of Keldon getting the ball, putting his head down and barreling into three defenders, just Julius Randle without the spin moves. And it is opening things up for Devin Vassell, who had 22, 3-2 three with three threes and four threes, who's now a 
top 20 player over the last two weeks. Reckon he might appear on the sell high show. We'll see. But I think the separation from um, Keldon is working. As for the horse, he had 18 points. That's good. We know Keldon's a good scorer like that, 33 minutes. But it's just typical Keldon. Four rebounds, two assists, 16 shots, probably too many, 38%, three or four from the line. He stinks as a category contributor. Uh, it's getting worse in a bench role. I wouldn't drop him, but we might get there eventually. Sohan had 11, 5, and 4, and it's definitely not exciting. Like It's not like, wow, look at the upside here. It is the most low-end, streamable-level player there is at the moment. Where if he's always there, you go, maybe I'll try him, and then you drop him, and then you try him again the next time, then you drop him again. That's sort of where we're at, I think. Well, Don Barlow, 6 and 6, steal block. That's really good for deeper leagues while Zach Collins is out. For the Cavs, one of the biggest sell highs ever. Jared Allen is a top 10 player over the last two weeks, 29 and 16, 31 minutes. They only have one game this week, so you probably can't do any sort of sell high. Well, if you can, congratulations. But if you are going to do a sell high, wait till they come back from France. Do it a few weeks before Mobley returns. Lose in the short term, gain in the long term. Levert had 23, 2 and 3 with two steals. Whether you drop him for the one game week depends on your team, your roster. If you've got other injuries, do you desperately need to win this week? Otherwise, especially in the points, they've got to be inclined to hold. While Don Mitchell didn't do that well, he has 17, 2 and 9 on bad percentages. And the winner soldier also struggled, hitting just 27% of his shots for eight points. But like it's been happening with Struess a lot, he had five rebounds, four assists, two threes, and two steals. The peripherals are all fine. He just, for some reason, can't shoot. And this guy gives off the aura of being this really, really good shooter, but he has never really consistently had good shooting percentages through his career. Like, never. Bad free throws some years, bad three-pointers. Consistently happens. Slam and Simon Merrill is stepping up. 18 points, 5 threes, 23 minutes. And while players are injured, like Mobley in particular, Merrill's at least a streamer. And George Nyang's also doing a little bit more. 11 points, 27 minutes. Nyang is 170th over the last two weeks, which is at least into that 14-team league um, streaming sort of discussion. Today's episode is brought to you by the Game Time app. You want you, sh- you want tickets? Of course you do. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to an event, whether that is sports or comedy, musicals, theater. You shouldn't have to worry about it. Game Time takes the guesswork and the worry out of buying tickets to your favorite events. Last-minute deals. They're killers. All-in prices, so you don't have to guess what the price is going to be. Views from your seat, so you know what you're going to see when you get to the arena. And their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Whatever the seats are in the venue, they get a view from all of them. You just click on it, and you can see what you're going to see when you are actually there. The lowest price guarantee is there as well as well as event cancellation protection and job loss protection also. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So let's swing it on now to the second game of the day, the uh, the upsetters, the old Portland Trailblazers on the road against the Brooklyn Nets. Get it done. Very interesting. So we'll go to the Portland side. This was um, uh, an overtime game, so we got some big minutes for a lot of players. Unfortunately, we only got 30 minutes out of Sterling Henderson. Scooter had 10 points in those 30 minutes with four assists on 38% shooting. Definitely not a good game. No defensive stats, but he has obviously been playing better, and I would still hold him. But what we did get is a lot out of Shaden Sharp. 40 minutes, 21 points. Now, one rebound and one assist doesn't really cut it, but he had two steals. He hit three threes. And what is important is getting those extra minutes. And Simons had 38, 4, and 11. Now, Simons' last game was shocking. So it's good to get a big one in from him. And then what is important is DeAndre Ayton still out. I'm going to guess he's out for the rest of this week, but Dwap Reef. 
41 minutes, 15 and 13 with three blocks and three threes. A great game. He's top 70 over the last two weeks. I will throw this out there, though. There was no Moses Brown, who they inexplicably were playing, but I think more importantly, there was no Jabari Walker in the last two games. And in those two games, Reith's minutes jumped way up. I'm not saying that they won't start Reith. They probably still will at center. Um, and Baji's probably not going to be an impact there, but Walker still needs those 24, 25 minutes. They play him a lot as a small ball center. So instead of Reith playing like 41, like he did here, or even let's say 35, he might be getting 26 or 25. And then the, the value of him does drop in that scenario. But it is hard to leave that on the wire knowing that Aiton is out. And look, honestly, Walker might still be out as well. Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Granted, he had 27 points in 42 minutes. He had two rebounds, one assist, but he did have a steal on the block, so some okay numbers there. He has definitely not been super exciting this season with those lack of peripheral stats. Matisse Thibel was also out, which does also somehow affect um, what Reith can do because if Thibel plays, it limits Kamara's minutes. And if Kamara has to push more to the four, then it changes Walker's availability at the four and it pushes Walker to the four. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff that can sort of trickle down. As for Malcolm Brogdon, Again, if you just look at the line, you got 18 points. Josh, you're an idiot. You told me to drop him. He played 22 minutes in an overtime game. He did have 18 points. He shot 63%. He had two assists, no steals, no blocks. I, I don't... That, that's good. You can have these occasional games, right? Get that garbage out of here! I'm not holding a bloke playing 18 to 20 minutes coming off the bench like this. I just don't think it's worth it. Streamable? Yeah, he will be a streamable player. But I don't think he's worth being a must-roster guy. For the Nets, Mikael Bridges, 44 minutes. Let's go. 42 points, four threes. Good scoring. Love that. 58% shooting, 26 attempts. Unbelievable. Only one other person took double-digit shot attempts, and it wasn't the cam that you think it was. So that's great from Bridges. Eight of eight from the line. But still, no defensive stats, and he's a long way He's a long way back from where he should be. But it's a good start. Claxo played 36 minutes, 16 and 11, with two steals and four blocks on 80, 88. No, eight from eight from the field. Good. Bad news from the center position. Dayron Sharp hurt his knee. Did not look particularly good. We haven't had an update on it yet. They're flying to Paris. And Jacques Vaughn said one of the most coached things I've ever heard. And I know there's going to be someone who tries to explain to me what Jacques Vaughn means in the comments. Rest assured, I know what he means. But there are ways to say it that aren't as ridiculous as what Jacques Vaughn said. And what Jacques Vaughn said was about Dayron Sharp. He's not going to travel with us to Paris. Oh, but he might if the results come out okay. Okay. So <laughs> what you can say is, we're not sure whether he's going to travel. We need to get the results first. Pretty straightforward stuff, I would have thought as a comment. Not like, he's not coming with us to Paris, or unless he does. Like, this shit is... These coaches sometimes make this stuff overly complicated and makes it seem like they're playing funny buggers with us, when realistically, they just say, we'll have to just see what the results are to decide whether he's going to come or not. Like, he won't join us on the initial flight. Maybe he'll come over later. Not like, oh, he's not going to come with us on the Paris trip. But what if? Ooh, just in case. Oh, come on. Anyway, um, one game for the week. Sharp had been a really good stream guy, but I I'm going to... It didn't look great. I'm going to guess he doesn't play this week. And that means you can probably move on. I don't know that I mentioned it on the show. I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. But Dennis Smith is coming for Spencer Dinwiddie. 29 minutes for Smithy. 10 points, 9 assists, 2 steals, and a block. We know he fills it up. Assists, usually more rebounds. Steals, blocks. What is important here is that Dinwiddie played only 28 minutes, and Smith was in at the end of the game. I would be a little cautious on this, though. I did say I think there is a chance that Smith could have real value this season under a certain number of circumstances. Dinwiddie is traded, or um, he gets benched. And they really love, love Smith and love what he brings. 
There is still the, I guess, return of Ben Simmons. Maybe, like, who bloody knows? That's a further complication. But very, very easily, Dinwiddie could play 36 minutes next game and Smith plays 19 and you've wasted a pickup on a one-game week. So I wouldn't recommend doing it. But I do think that it is very, very interesting that this has been trending in this direction and then we finally saw it realized here. Cam Johnson, 17 and 6 in 34 minutes. Good enough for me to hold through the week while you do not hold Cam Thomas. Get that garbage out of here! Nine points, 18 minutes. Only took nine shots. No assists, no steals, no blocks. Dangerously close, I would say, to losing more minutes to Lonnie Walker. But that remains to be seen. The next game was a spanking. The Pelicans laid it down on the Kings on the road, 133-100. to 100. No Zion Williamson, no Jose Alvarado. So bear that in mind when we're looking at this because CJ McCollum had 30 points in 27 minutes. He hit seven threes with two blocks. He shot 69%. He continues to shoot really, really well this season. Um, and Ingram also had 15-5-8 and eight with the game without Zion. They also started Ken Murphy. And I wouldn't say he was great. He had 11 points, three threes and five assists, which is okay. But part of the... Let, let's... Rewind it back to last season. Draft draft season before the 22-23 season. There were two big name, big men players who were coming off injuries. And we're like, um, we're not drafting them. These were top 40, top 30 potential players. And I was like, I'm not touching them until they get to pick 100 at least. I don't trust a big man, the injury time frame, their return, the ramp up, how it all feels for them as they come back. One of those big men was Jaron Jackson, who missed the start of last season with a foot injury, came back, dominated everybody, and was unbelievable and made me look completely stupid. The other one of those was Robert Williams, who came back from knee surgery, couldn't find any sort of rhythm at all. The knee continued to bother him. And he, at the moment, his career looks pretty rooted. I had the same sort of idea with Trey Murphy this season. Okay, it's going to be a more complicated situation with Zion there. He doesn't have this clear path to minutes and run to be the same guy as last season. We already acknowledge that. Not everyone acknowledge it, but we already acknowledge that part of it. But coming off a knee surgery, it's not easy to do. There's always going to be these ramp-ups, these setbacks. It might take him two months to get back to normal here. This is something we really need to be very, very cautious of. There's probably one example of it ever working, and that's Jaron coming back last season. Come back, looked as good as new, and was better than ever. Guys coming off these off-season knee injuries, starting the season late, it's really hard. I don't think that we drop Trey, but I do drop him in a points league. There's no point having him in a points league, I don't think. It just feels like it's a long way off. Back to bullshit from Trey Jones. Not Trey Jones, Herb Jones, sorry. Nine points in 26 minutes, no steals. He did have a block. To me, it's just hard to consider him an absolute must. If I wanted turnovers, I'd just add Lonzo Ball. Like That's really so much of his strength. And it's up and down steals and, and blocks, which you can look at in a higher volume week that he has. But otherwise, it's just hard to rely upon that every game. Valanchunas, 15 and 12 in 22 minutes. Nance, 2 and 7 in 14 minutes. Nance, still a 14-teamer. We're still holding Valanchunas in 12s. But again, the minutes were a little bit interesting here, or, or overall because of the blowout. And we've got 29 dice in Daniel. So before you get frothing over that, it was without Zion and without Jose Alvarado. He had 14, 5, and 6. It's an undoubtedly good game. He also shot 100%. Don't go and rush to add dice in Daniels, I guess, is the major takeaway from that. But it was interesting if Jose remained sidelined. Uh, for the Kings, they were just dread dreadful. Like, they were shocking. Uh, Sabonis had 17, 10, and 6, which is, I guess, good because no one else was anywhere close to good. And Darren Fox. I have almost never seen someone who features on the sell-high portion of the byline show go into the 
a toilet as big as he has. Over the last five games, he's 242nd. Talked about his unbelievable improvement in his shooting numbers. 10%. 3-2-4, no defensive stats. Didn't get to the free throw line. He was sort of holding his wrist a little bit in this game, so watch that. But this is an epic fall-off and one of the biggest, again, like when someone is rolling at these numbers, which you've never really seen happen before and unlikely to stick... You're going to get hurt from it, mate. It's going to hurt a lot. And if you can always capitalize on it, you do. Now, he is way better than this, very clearly. But this is a big, big fall. Also, this is also why I don't invest in Keegan Murray as this elite-level upside prospect. He's way too inconsistent. Eight points, 26 minutes, one rebound, 22% shooting. He also now is 167th over the last two weeks. Like, he's fine. He's a back-end player, though, who can go off and can do jack shit. Fanta Pants did better, 17 points in 24 minutes. I don't care. While Malik Monk had six points in 21, just a really poor performance overall from the Kings. And they need to be better. They've had more poor performances this season than I reckon they did uh, all of last season. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season is done and dusted. And there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Maybe you want to look at see how my Miami Dolphins will go in the playoffs. Are we going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not, but you never know. You never know. So get in on Tyreek Hill, maybe for MVP. It's all there over on FanDuel. And the best way you can get that Kraken is to get the bonus bets, $150 in bonus bets. You get them guaranteed if you just place a $5 bet. You don't even have to win the bet. You just put a $5 bet on and the bonus bets come rolling straight in. They've got bets you can find in the new Explore tab. They do live same-game parlays. They've also got a parlay hub where you can make your parlays and find other people's parlays that they have also made in the parlay hub. So go to fanjul.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanjul is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. That'll bring us into the fourth game of the day. Another overtime one, the Atlanta Hawks against your Orlando Magic. Uh-huh. 110 Atlanta, 117 to the old Orlando Magic. So let's look at the Atlanta side. Trey Young, 42 minutes, 31 for a nine, really strong game. DeJounte Murray, 40 minutes, 24 points, but his lines have been so empty. Two assists, no threes, no steals, no blocks. 60% from the line, 45 from the field. He's getting traded. Where to? I have no idea, but he's not going to be on this team. We got a lot of crossover between Okongwu and Kapala. 36 minutes for Kapala, 32 minutes for Okongwu. Clint had 4-11 and 11 with two steals and two blocks, while Okongwu had only five points, but he had six rebounds, three assists, and five blocks. There's a chance Kapala is traded. I, I don't know if he will be or not. I do think Okongwu remains a 12-team category league hold, but not necessarily for points. Bogdan, the minutes are well down for Bogdan at the moment. Another 26 only here in this one. He did have um, five fouls, but 18-3-1 with four steals and four threes. Continues to be a 12-teamer. And then Jalen Johnson fouled out, 12-11 and 11 in his 40 minutes. Not a great game from Jalen. And that's part of why they went a little bit, I guess, towards the Okongwu-Kapala combo. Good game from Sadiq Bey. 16-7 with two threes and two steals, but he's not a must-roster. He's a guy you can have, and then you can move on if you need to. Um, they also lost Garrison Matthews in this one. And does anyone know whether AJ Griffin is alive? Why is he just not in the rotation at all? I, I don't get it. For the Magic, they were without Franz Wagner, no John Isaac, no Joe Ingles, no Gary Harris, and no John uh, John Isaac. I said that. Wagner, Carter, Isaac, Harris, Ingles. That's who they were without. So they started a lineup that included both Trimmer KK and Caleb Houston. Houston played 36 minutes, had 25 points with seven threes, four assists, and a steal. Huge game. That's two big ones from Houston in the last three games. 
I don't know how long Wagner is going to be out or Carter or Isaac or Harris or Ingles. I'm going to guess Harris is out the rest this week. I'm going to guess Isaac's out this week. I'm going to guess Wagner's out this week. Don't know about Carter and Ingles though. But if I'm in a deeper league, Houston is showing me enough that I would definitely prioritize him over like uh, a Chumura KK or uh, Mr. Black who played 12 minutes for zero points. What we did get in this one is not Black starting. They've benched him, right? They, they have benched him even, yeah, because he just wasn't doing anything. But we got Marco Fultz back. He returned. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he played well because he didn't. He missed both of his shots. He missed all four of his free throws. And I'm a little worried that that video that surfaced about two months ago or a month ago of him with the weird shooting hitch, uh, is that real? Didn't look good, did it? Zero points, two rebounds, four assists in 15 minutes for Fultz. Obviously, that was a long absence, 20-plus games in a row of missed time with the knee tendonitis. Fultz's upside, is it even high enough to consider him a must-grab? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you can have a look at him, especially if you're in a strong position in your league. But I'm not sure that it's a must. I think it might be a really slow process here. Suggsy played 29 minutes. He fouled out, but he did have um, 16, 5, and 3 with four threes. He's been really strong, and he's a must-roster player. While the Dart played 28 minutes, Gogo Badadze, 11 and 14 with two blocks. And just, just add him, and we just figure it out if Wendell displaces him. Mo Wagner had 15 and 7. We know what he is, a points and rebounds guy, if he can get those minutes. But we've seen plenty of times without Carter, and he hasn't been able to do this all that time. He's an occasional streamer. Well, I haven't even mentioned Paolo Bunquero, who had 45 minutes, 35 and 10, four threes, four assists, three steals, one block. Yes, he's bad at percentages, but even with his percentages bad, he's 41st over the last two weeks. I think he's going to be a top 25 fantasy player pretty soon. And when you apply the minus one sort of stuff to, to take away some of those categories, he might be a top 12 guy eventually. He has taken so many big steps forward. It's been very impressive after yeah, something which yeah happens often for rookies. They struggle and people just say, well, that is what they're always going to be in terms of percentages. And that is the most common thing that improves for rookies. Their percentages jump immensely. Just always remember that. When you're trying to project things out from rookies going first to second year. Usually if someone's got really terrible percentages, you'll see pretty significant changes in years two and three. And that's ha- happened here for Paolo. Not that he's a great shooter at all. He's still not great, but he has improved and it looks pretty good. Cole Anthony, 31 minutes, 10, 9, and 5, 23% bad. But the role, the minutes is all very good. And while these players are out, Franz and Gary Harris in particular, we do roster Cole. And then if they give the minutes back to Markel eventually, we can move on. But for now, there's enough there with Cole for me to be pretty interested in it. The Minnesota Timberwolves go down to the Dallas Mavericks, 108-115. I think we can very comfortably jack Jaden McDaniels. Get that garbage out of here. 37 minutes, two points on 10% shooting. No steals, no blocks. He defended well, but I don't care. I just don't. It will get him minutes, but I don't care. He is not a 10-team category or points guy. He's not a 12-team category or points guy. He's a deeper league, 14-league type of player, 14-man league type of player. The Wizard of Noz played 27 minutes. He had nice points and rebounds, 15-9, but not much else there. He still, to me, is a fringe 12 while Anthony Edwards had 36-10 and 10 with three steals and a block, and Towns had 24-7. and seven. And look at that. After going blockless for weeks, the buy-low bump has kicked in. Three blocks in the last two games for Towns. He had two of them here. 50% shooting. The come-up is back. Nine points for Mike Conley with seven assists, while Gobert had nine points in 34 minutes with 17 rebounds and no blocks. A little bit of a dip here for Gobert at the moment. For the Mavs, they were without Lively and Exum, so we got 
Uh, old mate Dwight Powell starting. He played 28 minutes for a 20-team league value, 9, 6, and 4. Well, Josh Green had 4 and 5 in his 31 minutes, but everything is just Kyrie and Luka, obviously. Kyrie had 35, 8, and 5. He also chipped in three steals and two blocks. He's now 12th over the last two weeks. And Luka looked to be in pain, but he played. 34, 6, and 8. Very rough shooting, 46 from the field, but more importantly, 63 from the line. That hurts quite a bit. And it was a really good game from uh, Derek Jones. While Exum is out, Jones is okay to have in 12s. He had 12 and 10 with one steal and three blocks. He's not going to be that good every game, but there is a big opportunity here. We only got 20 minutes out of Grant Williams in his return from an ankle injury, but we are not caring about him in, in really any fantasy league outside of like 16-team as well. Timmy Hardaway, we know the story. He's hit or miss. He took 13 shots. He only scored 12 points, but he might have 20 points the next time out. If you're looking for points and threes, he can be that guy. Well, Jaden Hardy went from starting to playing just four minutes in this one, which is not a particularly large surprise. Now we get into some very interesting results, and I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure which team is more in crisis out of the next few games. But the Phoenix Suns lost at home with Beal, Durant, and Booker playing to a Grizzlies team without Ja Morant. Think about that. Think about that. Is that the worst loss of the day? We'll find out. 121 Memphis, 115 Phoenix. Marcus Smart moved to point guard. 25, 6, and 8 with three steals. Yeah, bad percentages, but we love the counters. He's a must roster player. Desi Bain had 23, 5, and 5, and Triple J had 28, 10, and 6. Only the one block with big numbers from all those guys. But Vince Williams, the bug, back into big minutes 37 minutes, 9, 10, and 9 with three threes and two blocks. He didn't start. We'll talk about their lineup in a second, but they basically played him like a starter. He came into the starting lineup after like three minutes, and i got to question what is going on with this team. There are a couple of things I, I could say. They submitted their starting lineup. There it was. Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, Jaron Jackson, Bismack Biombo. Okay. That's what they basically rolled out last game. Kennard replacing Jar Morant makes some sense, no problem. Game tips up. Oh, there you go. Xavier Tillman starting. Like, what are you talking about? No one mentioned anything about it. He's just out there. I go, okay. Three minutes. He's missed three shots and grabbed three rebounds in three minutes. All right, he's very active. They pull him out. Vince Williams comes in, and Tillman never returns. So what happened? Did Biombo need to take a shit? And they wanted to start Tillman there? Well, they need, Biombo was going to start, so they put Tillman in. He wasn't ready. He missed those shots. They said, get their garbage out of here, and they put Vince Williams in. Because Biombo then came in and played 26 minutes and had one point with three blocks. What has happened to Tillman this season? I have no idea how to how to pass any of these rotation decisions. Like Santiel Dahmer's all over the shop. We've got 27 Zaire Williams minutes here. I'm not going to criticize them too much. They bloody just beat the Suns. But that shit, this, here's our starting lineup. Psych, it's not. And this guy comes in and gets pulled after three minutes. What are you trying to do? What's the point of that? We're obviously not holding on to Tillman. We're not rostering Biombo. We're not rostering Aldama. We're not rostering Zaire. Vince is at least a streamer. Jar had his... Um, arm in a sling with shoulder sauna. So you've got to be a little bit worried about that. Not great sign to see him on the sidelines with a sling. We'll see. But Vince at least would be back onto the onto the radar as a streamer for deeper leagues. Canard had nine points with three threes. You know what you're getting most of the time from the duck. You get threes. That's what you get. For the Suns, Durant was back. He was apparently on a minutes restriction from his hamstring injury. He had 23, 10, and 5 in 36 minutes. Cool. 36 minutes. Nice minutes restriction. They play again tomorrow. If he plays tomorrow, this team deserves to miss the playoffs. Not like it just it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to do it. Sometimes the, the no, yeah. I, anyway, coaches can't trust be trusted half the time with rotations or common sense decisions. Grayson Allen was good again. 
16, 2, and 3 with four threes and two steals. And Booker had 24 with eight assists. And Brad Beal, 12 points, six rebounds, five assists. He'd been pretty good, right? He'd been playing fairly well. Not so much in this one. Chemezi Metu went back to a limited role, just 12 minutes, while Eubanks also got 13 minutes. So we've got to have like a sort of a backup big man battle between those two now. Obviously, we can move on in a lot of cases there. Although, I do think that Durant will sit tomorrow. I, yeah, again, I don't know, but that would be the common sense approach to sit him out, which might mean that we get a bit of a boost from Metu. There's also no Bowl or no Gordon in this one. Not much else going on. All these minimum guys were minimum contract players for a reason, while Yusuf Nurkic, 18, 19, and 5 for the big fella. Rough on the percentages, but he's been, I think he's been much better than anyone would have anticipated. Maybe not me. Better than, I don't know. I've just, I've always been a bigger Nurkic fan than most. Well, I'd say it's paid off for me, but he's been pretty good. And he was someone that I did target in uh, in a few leagues. I just thought the opportunity was pretty nice. Let's look at the next game here. You know what I actually discovered? I was looking today. You know, like we saw DeAndre Ayton go from Phoenix to Portland thinking, oh, number one pick, redeem yourself. His like shot attempts are like, they were 21 per 100 in Phoenix, like 15. He doesn't take any shots. I thought he was going to have a real opportunity to establish himself. No, he just does nothing now. Just decided he's going to be a, a, a permanent bowling pin, just standing out there waiting for someone to knock him over. What are we looking at with the next one? It is the Detroit Pistons and the Denver Nuggets, and we got an interesting situation. And by interesting, I mean absolutely terrifying because this team might not win a game while he is out, Cade Cunningham. He played 11 minutes and left. He was sort of looking a little, a little troubled early in the game. Apparently, he hurt his knee at the end of the Warriors game and was a bit sore, but nothing on the injury report. Not even, literally no one even mentioned that he went to the locker room until it was like a minute before halftime, one of the Pistons guys go, hey, Cade's not actually on the bench here. Went, oh, okay, that's bloody interesting. He's not on the bench. Right. And then about two minutes later, Cade has been ruled out with something which is creeping up a lot, which is pissing me off, is teams listing these injuries. A knee strain, not a sprain. So they're telling us it's not a ligament issue that he's strained the muscles around the knee. Has he? Has he now? Okay. What does that mean? Do I know? No idea. The common reaction will be when you see an injury notification pop up, how bad was it? Nothing happened. There was no specific incident in this game for me to tell you what happened to Cade Cunningham. And then it depends on how you read the quotes after the game. Let me let me read you a couple of the quotes from um, coaching legend Monty Williams after the game. So there's this quote here. Um... Where, where am I going to find it? All right. This is from Amari Sankofa, who said, Monty on Cade. Nothing right now. We don't have anything official. Bit of a left knee issue. So we'll give an update once we have an official report. He's important. Our franchise player. A guy like that can't... If a guy like that can't play, it has a trickle-down effect across the board. Thanks, Monty. That's all well and good. Mike Curtis tweets this. Monty Williams on what he can share about Cade. Or on what Cade Cunningham's injury. Nothing right now. We'll give you an update once it's official. That sounds bloody menacing. That sounds to me like, guys, he's fucked. We'll tell you once we've actually confirmed it 100%. We'll give you an update once it's official. Once what's official, my guy? Once what? It's, but it's very different to the other quote. We'll give an update once we have an official report. So I don't know what to make of this. If they said he had a knee sprain, I would say two weeks minimum, probably pushing four given this team is nowhere to be seen in anything. But a strain is not a real injury in a knee. It's a muscle situation. So I don't know what any of it means. Let's just assume that he is out for this week. They started Killian Hayes in the second half, but they've also got, I don't know, a number five overall pick who plays a bit of point guard that they might want to see what he can do as well. But no, why would you want to do that? Let's talk about Hayes first. 25 minutes, two points. Cool. Six assists and a steal. Like that is a soft, soft ad. 
But again, there is still Ivy there. Now, Ivy's starting at the two. because They'll start Ivy and Hayes together, I'm guessing. But, like, who knows? They're still giving plenty of minutes to Alec Burks in that situation. I would add Ivy before Hayes. just think he's a better player. But they're both in the mix here. 13, 4, and 6 for Ivy. But I still don't know what's going to happen with Cade. We have finally got 20 minutes out of Asar Thompson. Only took their point guard being out for their power forward to get minutes. And I know he's actually a guard, but he plays power forward in this team. 5 and 5 for Asar. We don't need to hold him. Get that garbage out of here. Bogdanovich had 14 points in his 27. And Isaiah Livers played 31 useless minutes for 11 points. And Alec Burks had 18 points with three threes. Burks is just trotting out top 100 numbers at the moment. You don't need to add him, but bloody hell, you could do a lot worse. Probably want to consider it, I would say. And he'll just go ice cold at some point. Kevin Knox had 12 points. He's a very interesting deeper league stream guy at the moment. While Jim Wiseman continues to absolutely suck ass. Not that there's anything wrong with sucking ass. He's just really bad at basketball. On to the Nuggets. Big Chungus played 25 minutes. He didn't need to do anything else. He had one of the weirdest, I was going to say worst, but it's not bad. It's a weird sat line. He had four points. But he had seven rebounds, 16 assists, and five blocks. I mean, cool. The headmaster dropped in 37 points in 30 minutes while KCP, how maybe he did beat the streaming allegations. 18 points, three threes, and two steals. Don't care. Reggie Jackson um, and KCP against their former teams revenge their way to 13, three, and nine for Reggie. And Peyton Watson had 15 and six. But this game, the minutes are down because they didn't need to try. That's what happens when you play the shittest team in the league and then their best player is out. Gordon had eight points in 20 minutes and Maga Porter had 18 in his 28 minutes, but we're not going to get, you know, we're not going to get too caught up in a lot of this stuff. I'm not adding Jackson or Watson or KCP outside of streaming. I'm not worried about Jokic taking four points in 25 minutes. It was just a, a game that they knew they were going to win and they did. So let's be honest, they mucked around. Why wouldn't you? If you got that ability, how demoralizing to be the Pistons. But you know, that's probably number 10 on the list of things that have demoralized them this season. So I said that the Suns might be in a little bit of trouble, but are things worse than they are for the Warriors, who just got smacked at home by the Raptors, 133-118, and it was a lot worse than that. The Raptors dropped 76 in the first half. Let's talk about the Raptors because um, Maple Jordan, RJ Barrett, went crazy. 37-6-6 with 5-3, Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but there might be someone dropping the comments, see, Josh, you're an idiot. I told you RJ is going to be great in Canada. That's all well and good. This is a very strong game from RJ Barrett. We love this performance. I'd love to see it. Him taking 20 shots is a little on the nose, but it happened. I just, I need, I need to see more of it. I'm not trusting it. I have seen five years of this and it doesn't stick. So no, I'm not going to add him outside of a points league. Boucher, 17 and 9 in 16 minutes. It's very hard to continue to put up those numbers in those limited minutes. But he's at least on your 14 team stream zone, maybe even 16, maybe 16 team ad. Siakam had 16, 7, and 6, but we've got to have a conversation about um, Scott Barnes here, I think. Because there's a few things we need to talk about. Well, first of all, he played 24 minutes only. That's not ideal. But six points, two rebounds, 27%, steal and a block. These are the things that we got from him last season. And I was a little worried about him when the trade happened. But what has changed, I think, here for Barnes is that losing OG Ananobi, their primary point of attack defender, means that they've had to put Barnes into that role. And he's not really good at that role. He's more of a drop-back help guy. And that was really elevating up his rebound numbers. Rebound numbers? Shithouse now. Way down. And losing usage with Quickly and Barrett there is an issue. Not that his usage was too bad here. But that's just a stinking game. We give him a little bit of a pass but he's 68th over the last five games. It's something to watch. 
it's something to watch. Schroeder, 13-3-4, just continued to do just enough to be a 12-team hold, while Pirtle played 31 minutes, 14, 11, and 5. I guess his minutes are playing over 30. Only took 30 games to get here, but here we are. Quickly played 26 minutes. He had 9 points only, but he had 10 assists and 5 rebounds. They just they did it really easily. They smashed the Warriors. The Warriors made a lineup change. Sorry, that's incorrect. They made two because they changed their starting group. So they benched um, Kevon Looney, and they started Trace Jackson Davis, and replacing Chris Paul was Andrew Wiggins. Of course it was. And then at halftime, they said, screw this shit, and they benched three guys. Wiggins went to the bench. Kamingo went to the bench, and Jackson Davis went to the bench. Sharich and Looney started in the front court, and Pajemski ended up back in the starting lineup. Wiggins had three points in 17 minutes, and I reckon this might get a bit of a workout, but Wiggins is done. And I, I actually, I, I really, I, this has, there has to be a mental thing. He is just cooked. 3.17%. No one here is rostering him. Get that garbage out of here. Kaminga, 13, 4 and 4, triple one. I would hold and we'll figure. I don't know what's going to happen when Draymond returns. It's a very easy argument that I could make that Draymond comes back, takes Chris Paul's minutes, and everything else stays the same as it was before. Even though there's obviously different positional stuff, but that can be sort of worked around. Jackson Davis, even though he moved to the bench, had 16, 11, and three blocks. And honestly, you can't sit here with a straight face, and you won't. But if Steve Kerr was to come on, he couldn't sit here with a straight face and say, yeah, you know what? We've just been really happy with what Looney and Sharich have been giving us and they're just way better than Jackson Davis. There's no way. You can't say it. Jackson Davis outplayed these guys consistently and he just needs to be rostered. And again, what do we do? We figure it out later. We just hold and deal with it. Pajemski, not very good here. 18% shooting, but he had 5.8 rebounds, 4 assists. The game boy should be on a roster. Um, Clay had 25 points. He shot well. That's good. He's very up and down. We know this. And he's obviously not the same clay. But it is about time to have a conversation. That is partially in jest. But I'm worried about Steph. There are people that when I put out my All-Star Picks video on the weekend that said, no, man, Steph has to start over Shea. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't... Like, there's just no way you have seen these guys play this season and you think that Steph is anywhere on that level. Steph has his moments, but he has not been that good. And he is in a horrid slump. Nine points, 14%. I am not. Don't get it twisted. That was a joke, right? That, that's a joke about the washed watch. He's not washed. But when you are age 35, 36, which Steph is, you can't be as good as you were. You, you can't. And we've seen Steph be as good as he was up until this season. And he's not anymore. And I think even the most ardent Warriors and Steph fans, except for maybe Jim Park, and if you know who Jim Park is, you've spent too much time on Warriors Twitter, everyone else would admit, yeah, he's not quite himself. He's not quite there, is he? Now, some of it could be... I heard something that him and Draymond just don't talk at all anymore, which is like, okay. There is shit going on in that team, in that locker room, physical age-related decline stuff with Steph as well. That is all impacting it. Now, he will be able to be better than this, bounce back and play much better. No problem with that. He will do it. But as a consistent thing, I don't think he's that guy anymore. He's had really good moments early this season, right? He still is only 18th this season for fantasy, which is not what Steph usually is. He's 32nd in Yahoo points leagues, which is well below his usual production. He's averaging under 40 Yahoo fantasy points. That's not what Steph is. 
This team needs a drastic change, and we'll see whether Mike Dunleavy has the testicles to be able to pull it off. Sharage had 11-5-5. He's a nice 14-team league player, but there's just a lot of jerking around. And also, by the way, Moses Moody's actually really good. He played 22 minutes, had 21 points with four threes. He's not a great fantasy player because he's a little bit empty across the board, but he is a really good player. And 14 minutes of Corey Joseph's criminal, but I just watch Moody. If he ever finds a solid role, think of like a Norman Powell in fantasy. Never going to blow us away, but score, hit some threes, do a little bit of defensive shit better than Powell, um, and be very efficient at doing it. That's who I think Moody can become. He's definitely on the watch list of, hmm, needs a spot. Wouldn't add him in 12s, nowhere near it. But this team is in real, I don't know if crisis is the right word. I don't want to be hyperbolic here. But if they're not in crisis, they bloody should think about getting into crisis so they can think about doing something about it. Because all these tinkering things and catering to veterans and the politics behind it, which I understand is a huge part of it. And then you get Draymond returning. Oh my God. Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't, they're moving into the, I don't know what's going to happen territory where I don't know how any of this shit is going to play out. I would still roster Trace, Pajemski, Kaminga. I would look at Moody and Sharich in the deepers. Looney is like, I think officially cooked. And Clay is close enough to it. He has some good games, but it's, it's too rare. He's still rostering Clay though, but yeah, there are, there are things that, Need to change here. Let's do the last game of the night. The LA Clippers lose. Lose to the Lakers um, in somewhat confusing fashion. Not that the loss was confusing, but the confusion to me is on the Clippers side of things. We knew this was a back-to-back for the Clippers. Everyone did. We saw the schedule. And I said earlier today, well, is there any chance Kawhi off the hip injury you know, sits the second game? Probably not, but I think we'll be all right. So in this game, Kawhi wouldn't say he was playing particularly well. He had 15, um, what do you have, 15, 8, and 2 with three steals, two blocks, and two threes. That's still pretty good, but didn't shoot particularly well. And then with two minutes left, close game, they took him out. What do you do? What's, what? What's going on here? And the announcer's like, oh, he's on a minutes restriction. Oh, because of the back-to-back. All right, he's at 34 minutes. Okay. What? Why would you, A, mismanage your minutes restriction so badly that you can't play the final two minutes of the game, number one? B... It's two minutes. You're in a close game. Can he play it or not? C, why did he come back in for the final 17 seconds? Someone screwed up somewhere. I don't know who it is, but someone screwed that up. So I don't actually know what happened. Well, I do know that that's what happened, but I don't know why it happened. If he had a restriction, why was he back in? Why was the restriction that you can't play the final two minutes? I'm all for plans and minutes restrictions, but... This wasn't a plan. This was just nonsense. Or was something poorly executed. Zubats was amazing. 37 minutes, 22 and 19. He'd sort of been hovering around that 28, 29 minute mark. But this was huge here as Daniel Tice Daniel got the backup minutes and Mason Plumley did not. Paul George had 22, 4 and 3 with 5 steals and a block and Jimmy Harden had 15, 4 and 9. Westbrook minutes check, 19. Westbrook Jack Armstrong check, probably 19 as well. Seven, one, and three. You just cannot roster Russell Westbrook in a category league in a 12 team. You can't. You just, you just can't do it. Well, you can. You'd be wrong, but you can do it. Norman Powell had 14 in 25 minutes, and this team backs up again tomorrow for the Lakers. We got D'Angelo Russell back. Not only did we get D'Angelo Russell back, we got him playing 31 minutes, which is very confusing considering the minutes he was playing beforehand. 13 points, six assists, 36% 
of Delonis. That's what he does. Darvin Ham seems to love Delo until it comes to the playoffs. Um, if he gets 31 minutes, he's a 12-team league guy, but it's been a little bit back and forth. And then now the common thing here will be, did D'Angelo Russell's return completely kill Austin Reeves? And that's a way to look at it. Reeves had 8-0-2 with no steals, no blocks in one of the worst lines of the day. He played 32 minutes, but he didn't play all of those alongside D'Angelo Russell. He still started. He still got starters minutes. He just didn't do anything. His first seven minutes of the game, he had all zeros. He Tony snelled it, and Russell wasn't even on, in the game for that. So while it is easy to say that this, this is the correlation or the causation, but it's not necessarily. Russell was back, Reeves played bad, but did Reeves play bad because Russell was back? I'm not convinced of that. It is something we have to watch. If Reeves had have played 24 minutes and Russell 32, we'd have gone, all right, that is probably Russell-related. But was 32 versus 31 in Reeves' favor? He just didn't do anything in the time he was out there. Questionable legend LeBron James had 25, 8, and 7, while pelvis spasm legend Anthony Davis had 22 and 10 with three steals and a block. They're always going to do that. But I've got to give props to my man, the crucifix, Christian Wood. In preparation for Easter, he had 9 and 10 in 16 minutes with two blocks, and he played a lot better. He's at least on the 14-team streaming radar, while the artist formerly known as Torian Prince had 13 with three triples. Cam Reddish continues to start, even though he's not an NBA-caliber player. He had seven points with two threes and two steals. He's just a deeper league stream guy. When uh, Vanderbilt Bar did okay, 2-4-4, four, and four. it's not going to matter much for us for fantasy, but in terms of playing uh, a good game, I thought he did that. But just, yeah, some real confusion with the Kawhi stuff. The Austin Reeves situation is one that we do need to monitor, even though I'm very far from convinced that Reeves' poor performance was D'Angelo Russell related. But we do need to watch that. So that is the nine games from Sunday. Warriors in crisis. Kawhi minutes situation. The Suns trash. What else did you take away from the games today? There were quite a few interesting things that did go on. Let's, um, Let's do the lines of the night. The Monstrous, probably only the one guy who's really in contention here for this one, and that is coincidentally going to be the guy that we give it to. It is Kyrie Irving in Dallas, 35 points. He had assists, he had rebounds, he had three steals, he had two blocks, he was all over the shop. Fantastic performance from Kyrie Irving. Your waiver wire line of the night, the best performer for a guy who is available in over 50% of leagues, and we are going to a young player, a rookie. It's Trace Jackson Davis, who despite being benched at halftime, had 16 and 11 with three blocks and still looks like the best center on that team. Your young gun of the night, well, I'm going to give you a tip. It's not him. It's another young player, and it's also not a guy that maybe you think it was in Paulo Banquero because Victor Wembanyama still exists. 24 points, 9 rebounds, 10 of 11 from the line, 5 blocks. Paulo was there. He was close, but Victor ends up getting it. And the dud of the night. Oh, there were a few we could have gone with here. There were a few we could have gone with in the dud of the night discussion. But in the end, the man who gets it is... De'Aaron Fox, who had three points on 10% shooting. There were a number of others, but Fox ends up with the coveted title. Let's go to the top six players. For the day, we will start with the top six category league players. Number one was Kyrie Irving, followed by Victor Wembanyama, Jarrett Allen, Anthony Simons, Mikhail Bridges, and Christian James McCullum. Let's look at the top players available in over 50% of leagues. Number one is Trace Jackson Davis, then Boucher, Vince Williams. Hmm, they're both 14-team adjacent guys. Dwop Reith, don't mind a 12-team ad, although I think a lot of it is Jabari Walker-related, but I don't know. 
Caleb Houston, well, we'll see, but he played well. And then Moses Moody, I'm not really falling into that one, but I'm keeping an eye on it. And then we look at the top six players in Yahoo Points Leagues. Number one was Kyrie, followed by Paulo Bunkero, Anthony Edwards, Anthony Simons, Jarrett Allen, and Rowan Barrett Jr. That will now uh, bring us through to just, just to wrap this show up. But first of all, did you win your weekly matchup? I'll do my industry pickup wrap up in a second. But let's just have a look at the takeaways that we got to have from here. We're adding Trey Jones everywhere. We're adding Jaden Ivey over Killian Hayes, I think. Reasonable minds could debate that they want Killian Hayes first. I get that. I would add Ivey over Hayes, but I consider Hayes an option. Derek Jones Jr., I think he's worth an add. Yeah, obviously, Jackson Davis, Kaminga, Pajemski, we look at those guys. And we're very obviously dropping Andrew Wiggins. He looks toast. And I don't think we've got any reason to be holding on to Jaden McDaniels. And they're just, hey, when we put Russell Westbrook on that list as well, yeah, you can move on from him. But there's some pretty obvious ones, I think, that can be, um, that can be dropped and moved on from. All right, so let's look at the results from Industry Pickup from Week 11. Did I get the win? Yes, I did. There we go. Over Alex Barutha. I get the victory there. 6-3, the final score um, against Barutha. Good win for me. Mitch Casey beat Noah Rubin, 6-3. Drew Dinkmeyer beats Raclean, 7-2. Adam King beats Mike Barner, 5-4. Rhett Bauer beats Mike Katrin, 5-3-1. And Dan Titus, back-to-back victories against B-Dub as well, who smashed me two weeks ago or a week ago. Titus gets the win, 6-3. Onto the standings for industry pickup. Has Drew caught me? Ooh, not quite. Not quite. He's still one game behind. Is this updated for this week? No, it's trying to reconnect. All right. All right, as the screen dies, that's what this this is podcasting. All right, we're back, and they have updated the standings, and Drew took over. Well, not really. We're both equal. I'm 63-36-0, and he's 62-35 with two ties, both at a 64% winning percentage. Okay, Drew, it is on. It is on here for the rest of the season here in the industry pickup. Let's go through uh, my other leagues and see how we're cracking there. I believe this was the last week for the um, FBI World Cup before the playoffs, and I don't know that I'm going to make it, but we'll have a look. Let's have a look at the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl um, category league, my scoring there. I lost to Uborns 6-3, and I beat Rap 5-3-1. Where does that put me in the standings? Always a bit of a loading time here with so many leagues and divisions running. Uh, is a lot for it to process. Let's have a look. In the main red claws, where am I? Hang on, is that rap? Is it... Rap? Rap's third overall. I'm I'm third in my division, 103-92 with three ties. Was rap who I beat? That could be a big W for me. If, or was that who I lost to? No, I, I beat rap. Oh, yeah, that's the third overall team in the northern division. So happy with that. In the World Cup, how did my matchup go? I reckon it's going to be 5-4 either way. 4-4-1, I was wrong. Darth Plagueis the Wise. All right, in the standings, did I qualify for the playoffs? And a redraft scenario. Let's have a look. Did I get in? I was sixth heading into this week. Fifth, yes. All right, so we made the playoffs in the old uh, FBI World Cup. And lastly, we go to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl um, points division. Let's go and click on that and see what the scoring situation is there. Let's go to the scores first. Did I win? My matchups this week, the tension here is just amazing, as I don't even know the results. There you go. Big win. Democracy Manifest beats the Tiger Sharks. And I got oh, DBI comes through, beats me by 32 points. He had a huge final day and he even had De'Aaron Fox, so big from him to get that. In the standings, I think I'm about fifth in this one as well. I'm in the Jason Kidd division because, of course, I am. Yeah, fifth. 
in the points league there, sitting at 13 and 9. So pretty pretty overall happy with that. If I look at my Yahoo league, I took on Alex Reclean in that one. So I 5-4, knocked him off. I'm sitting fifth in that league. Ed Monix is like half a game ahead of me. He lost 7-2. Absolute W. So I'm going to move up to fourth. Unless, no, Joel got, oh, Joel might have, no, no, I'll be ahead of Joel, who was sixth. Who else is there? Who else was ahead of me? Uh, Scott, he got a one and I got a five. So, ooh, I, ooh, I'm going to move to third. He's going to be 51. I'm going to be on 52. And Ed Monix is going to be 49. I'm going to move to third. Let's go. Very happy with how that's panning out. And that is the update on my leagues. I probably should bring up bloody 30 deep because I'm struggling in that one, but let's let's actually bring that up. Yeah, let's the, that team is actually cooked on 30 deep. 8-1 against Joe Kaiser. Yeah, I got pants in that one. Really struggling. Who else did I match up against? Oh, Matt Smith got me 8-1 as well. Bloody hell yeah, because of my team. Puzingas, Butler, Nempard in my starting group in a 30 in a 30 team. Yeah. I'm not gonna win with that, am I? And my bench has got absolute nobody. Yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in real strife in that league. Really, really bad situation. Anyway, that brings us to the end of today's show. Hit the thumbs up, hit the like, hit the subscribe button, and be a double banger just like your best friend is. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>